0: welcome to the melt zone podcast this is episode 63 i'm tom
1: and i'm stefan and on today's episode we chat about chickens studio move and (laughs) the east coast rapper festival that uh, tom's gonna attend unfortunately i won't be there this year um on the talk of Tom's studio move and and his projects that that he planned in the past. Um, Also, just a a bit of talk about another 3D printed robot arm that can hold cameras. Then, um, in the news, Fusion 360 implemented a a lattice tool, which allows you to add lattice to your geometry and not only in the slicer. Then a bit of talk about um, a DIY high temperature resin printer and a bit of discussion on the topic if you need one. And if it's the basically enabler for the technology and, and those materials uh, themselves. Um, and then also Tom's going
0: to share his <laughs> bread recipe. Uh, it looks like we have a very food heavy uh, episode today. So Stefan's talking about the, the lettuce uh, on, on 3D prints, but that is la- lattice, the infill structures, not, not the lo- the leafy greens, um, but like I said, we, we have a food heavy topic, uh, or li- topic lineup today, pathogens on 3d prints. Can you make them food safe? Can you clean them? Um, there's been some research into that. And then we're just covering questions and news, um, from you guys. So Ultimaker's, well Ultimaker, MakerBot, uh, is, has a new name combined with Ultimaker. We talk about, um, Tom's question about cherry picked machines we might be getting from manufacturers. Um, about whether the FormBot kit is now different than what I got with my original Warren or what I bought with my Warren, and why we didn't include the RAT rig in the original comparison we did last time. Quick chat about long ends, high-flow hardens, why they droop and ooze more, or why they seem to droop and ooze more than you might think, um, or than, than the regular counterparts, and to finish everything out. A discussion about part cooling whether the concentrated bird air pumps are a better solution than what we have today and whether bed cooling fans could be an option okay take two let's let's try this uh we Ta- take two we screwed the up levels. the first one yeah I, I, we, we can now hear stefan <laughs> ah, right well we we yeah. didn't
1: record the whole podcast before we found that out for, fortunately, we're just checking on your loaf of bread and.
0: Yeah, we, we things were, were going so good. Like in in the new studio here, I just grabbed my my computer, I plugged it in, and I was like, everything's here. Like network drives are here. Um, the screen kind of works. I had to run a long Ethernet cord out to the to a switch in the in the hallway, but hey, camera plugged in. It's not even the right camera. This is the one that's typically mounted overhead, but you know, it's it's good enough. The microphone works. It's good enough. Yeah. Sad, sad the, but also the, happy the, to the,
1: see but, that you are back in the new old studio.
0: I'm back in a stable situation that nobody can take from me. And I am the. Is there an English version of this? The his the, the eigenen glücks. I'm the master of my own fortune yeah i From think here that's, that's the right there's term. there's nobody nobody uh, who can interfere with me getting comfortable getting set up and and living my best youtuber life yeah in the basement studio um, so for
1: now this is your i don't know permanent solution yes medium
0: yes medium term solution here's the thing I'm I hope I'm a good actor here I'm, I'm, I'm pretending to to bring this up the first time but uh, um here's the thing after this entire studio move after having it done twice in 2 years um I I am not sure what the right path forward is from here do I do I keep pursuing that? That hey, you got to scale up, you got to be the, the Linus Media Group of 3D printing, have employees, have a big warehouse full of people and of stuff, and just bustling with, um, with, with, yeah, having a, a what's the term, a, a bustling enterprise? I don't know if, if I want to get to that point anymore, um, or if I just want to say, hey, screw it, kick back, uh, make a video every three weeks, four weeks, whatever, uh, that's enough for me to get by, uh, and just chill. Because so far, every time I've, I've tried scaling up, it's just been a huge headache, it's cost me shit-tons of money, shit-tons of my time, and if I feel like I, I could've made better content and more content in the end if I just had stayed put where I am. Uh, i don't know i don't know I, i'm lacking the energy to to like say hey i, I want to get a plot of land and and build a new w- workshop there warehouse whatever it is um and scale up I, right now i really don't want to do that so for the time being this is gonna be the warren's here hi warren um and this is gonna be my permanent ish studio again it's worked For the longest time it's fine it's not fantastic because it's relatively small it's 20 square meters plus a bit of of workshop space that was like the first ever studio Mm. um and it's basement like it's, it's a basement right it's 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 all concrete mostly concrete walls acoustics aren't great like it's not super warm in the winter here like whatever it's fine i can arrange i can arrange with that Better because those are things that are under my control. Mm. Same thing I last I said last time. Those are things that I can I can influence versus the situation at the uh, at the big studio. So, yeah, I guess for the things that you you're currently
1: doing, it's a bit less convenient in there.
0: But for sure, I mean, more space is always more convenient.
1: Yeah, it, it is, but it's still happy to see that. You're not, you're not burned out, broken, and just say, okay, screw this. I' gonna go back to my old job in industry, and that's just screw not an option whole. for me.
0: It's just nah, I don't want to do that. I could, I mean, I I still have a yeah. bachelor's degree and and like experience under my belt, but I just don't want to do that. That that never that was never fulfilling for mm. me. Either it was in the wrong companies or it's just not who i am but yeah. it's just not an option so what choice do i have but to look forward and, and make mm-hmm. this what i have now the best possible uh, the best possible version of itself and the best chance of me doing what i what i want to do so it is what i have i i, I gotta work with what i have um in german i guess we say <laughs> um, it's yeah um what choice do i have really it's you know so there's there's i just don't see a point of of like moaning or worrying about uh things you can change so no.
1: yeah yeah um
0: so yeah as, as you oh, turning the wrong way as you can probably see i put in the kitchen in the studio just so. as i did Um but mine's better <laughs> mine's bigger um, more expensive more expensive yeah nicer I, <laughs> look, Look! I was like, hey, if I'm going to put in this, if I'm going to, like, renovate this studio and make it my, I don't know how long I'm going to be in here studio, I'm just going to make it the best possible version. I'm going to put in a nice kitchen. Ikea, full extension slides. There's, look, I i, I looked up how much I paid for, for drawers and I think it was, like, more than half of the kitchen's price was just drawers. Yeah. <laughs> um, So, yeah plenty of space, plenty of space for like small stuff. I'm going to have to see how I arrange with this. I think gear production equipment is going to go all in drawers because that doesn't, that has no point living in Ikea samla boxes. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to have to see like 3D printer parts, where do those go? Um, we'll see. We'll see. I'm going to have to find ways of, of using this new phone. So I've,
1: I've so. been asking myself the same question, where do I put all of my stuff now in the new studio. And of course, I also have the kitchen, but just with with doors, because I cheaped out, because I didn't want to spend like two or two and a half thousand bucks. Uh, And I I think I just spent 800 or something for basically the same size that, that, that you have. But I was asking myself, do I now put stickers on all of the doors that I know where I put everything? My do, will you try to
0: remember where you
1: where you're going to put all of this stuff?
0: Now here's the thing with with the organization so the the stickers aren't just to help you remember where stuff is. The stickers are actually there to help you put this stuff in the right spot. So if you have yeah. i don't know, let's say pliers and you're like, ah yeah. these are these are like crimping pliers, whatever where do these? Where do I put these? Um, you have a drawer for pliers. They go there, you know. To remember, they go there. It's, it's, it, it's the other way around. My plan, I'm, I keep rotating the wrong way. Um, so I've got these, which I can't really point to. Where, where's my hand? There, I've got these stainless steel, thirty centimeter wide um, handles. I think I'm gonna put like a transparent for the. You can get for the brother label makers. You can get the transparent mm-hmm. um, strips. I think I'm gonna label them on the on the handles. Okay i i, I got to see what looks best um but yeah there are going to be labels um for these just to keep organized and i think as is the background of a of a 3d printing studio setup labels are totally fine um yeah. i i don't need to be like again ltt clean with like they they've got very nice kitchens got to say they they look very aesthetically pleasing on set
1: well and and if you're having a good lens and can use all of the the bokeh you won't be able to to see your your stickers anymore right. in the background right so if the shots look nice you won't be able to, to see the stuff in the background anyways
0: yeah so interestingly i've had i've always had people complain ever since i, I went full frame with the sony um i've had people complain like hey turn down your aperture i can't see crap in this shot it's way too blurry and i i i see the point yes it's just way easier for me to stay at f 2.8 um because then all my exposure settings are just there and they're on point and don't have to to fix anything in post um but in the last video, last video, last video that I put up, yeah, I intentionally stopped down to, like, F8 at points. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the, the, the close-up shots were crisper mm. and a bit noisier because you have to crank up the ISO, but it's an A7S three; it doesn't matter really. Um, and interestingly, the, the comments about blurry, out-of-detail shots went back, so... <laughs> Full frame might not be the best choice. in the end. <laughs> Full frame and and uh, big aperture lenses. Just just stick with your smartphone. Ah, but those those have those have pretty impressive bokeh too now.
1: Yeah, but just like the computational bokeh. No, so no, I, nah no, no,
0: man, look look at look at like the, the current iPhones. They have pretty big sensors. Um, okay, yeah. And, yeah, and you're all right. the, like all the forty eight megapixel sensors. They're pretty big, and they're usually paired with like an f one point seven lens. Yeah. They have some nice bokeh. Yeah, even without the, I mean, the 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 what's it called, uh, cinematic mode on iPhone, <laughs> just it, it does not look good. But
1: yeah, yeah. So well, I also bought a a full frame camera uh, at the beginning of this year, but I've never been using it for really filming stuff for videos. I'm just using it for for my macro photography. Um, so I'm I'm still on my micro four thirds where uh yeah like depth of field is is usually also n- not a big problem
0: yeah yeah well too yeah. too too little depth of field you too little yeah. depth of field um but wouldn't it be i mean if you if you put the same macro lens on your micro four thirds wouldn't that, that that's going to give you a 2x magnification yeah. to that yeah but you're using the the microscope lens on your full frame i do or or do, yes. do you do you use a, a, an expressive no, I use, micro I, uh, uh, yeah. macro lens micro lens no, I, well, I do have the macro, the
1: 30 millimeter macro lens for my micro four thirds. Right. And for the full frame, I just have like the real micro, microscope objective put on one of these extension tubes. So yeah. no, nothing special there. The camera is really underused. It's it's kind of sad, but um yeah, it's... I, the the other two cameras they they still do do a good job and they are good enough for the uh for, for my normal filming stuff i did use the new full frame camera for uh the podcast before i moved but now oh, i oh yeah need to that's that's it.
0: I, <laughs> good, I, good use for for that <laughs> <laughs> they were sending through skype or through uh what we were using before whatever zoom uh, yeah zoom that gets yeah. compressed to absolute garbage yeah Uh, yeah
1: that's how it is Uh, one thing we already talked about during when we messed up the first recording was having a big space of course enables you to do a couple of projects that are just not possible in a small space and and as i said before um things that i had in my mind was that you of course got the new machining shop you got a lathe and your mill but you also thought about the the, the six axis robot and uh but you you just said that this is not something where the small space that you're having now really hinders you
0: well it's gonna be it's gonna be a different setup um so the original idea for that six axis camera robot thingamajig probably five axes would have yeah 5x's would have been sufficient um the idea before that was to have in front of my my studio desk here um i was gonna have a gantry that ran across the ceiling and across the floor and just have an upright that moves left right and then just stack linear axes on that yeah um that was before i even knew i was gonna move to the now old to the new to the big studio um so when I moved there, that idea got scrapped because it didn't have a point to anchor it to the ceiling. Mm. I didn't have like, it was five meter tall ceilings. I couldn't put anything there. Um, so I looked into uh, building my own robot arm, which would have been a really cool project. Bit over my head though. So I, I was, I, that was a project I was afraid of because there's so many things that have to be perfect for it to work backlash yeah. in in your drive units if you have backlash you can you can toss to your six axes it's just it's not going to look good on camera at all if you like the idea was to mount a camera on that robot effector mm. and use that to get like the, the 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 mkbhD style cool shots um so yeah that was the idea for the um big studio now here i can I can move back to the to the gantry idea. Mm. Um, I can have a, a you know, a rail top bottom open builds um, were in touch with, with us and they were like, hey, yeah, we we want to sponsor something. That's going to be a lot of open builds profiles, though, but <laughs> I think that's the only way to go with this. Um, you can't, like, get an, uh, an MGN 15 or whatever in three meters length. You could, but it's going to be a grand. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Yeah, I'm gonna have to see what what I do here, but that's that of course is a possibility that I have now in this space mm-hmm. to just build a robot like that, and it's gonna be much simpler. It's gonna it's just gonna be X Y Z, and then an A and a B axis, and that's it. Yeah. So, yeah, there there are some doors that have closed with uh, with getting out of the uh, out of the big studio, but there are other doors that have opened. So, yeah
1: well at least you're, you're saving a ton of money every month th- that you can invest in things
0: <laughs> yeah yeah so that of course that's one of the calculations that um that you can do now where it's like hey i'm saving about a thousand bucks a month um with rent and stuff you know what let's just let's just like get a new laptop let's um, let's invest in in gear and uh you know, have some nice things that, that make work in this space easier. Um, yeah. Of course, it's not going to be the same way as the power plug of this thing. There it is. Um, it's not going to be the same as if you had space, but you can maybe compensate for that in other ways. I don't know. Yeah. T-
1: talking about your new laptop, I also purchased a new one and just arrived five minutes before we started the recording. So, so you bought yourself a gaming laptop. no
0: no no it's a creator's laptop it's a gaming laptop oh yeah it is you you can game it's 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 an asus ROG, which stands for republic of creators a rock (laughs) creator. just a a regular g14 you know yeah rgb
1: rgb keyboard
0: yeah yeah, yeah, of course (laughs) and it has the 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 any matrix led which is completely Oh shit. I mean with <laughs> like the entire back and light up. Yeah. But uh, I I bought it specifically for a purpose. And that's I think gear should always have a purpose that it's that dedicated it for. Um this is to edit the videos at Earth that need to go up before the show starts. So yeah. I'm gonna be at Earth. Of course you won't. That's that sucks, but um, I've got two videos that need to go up before the show even starts. I'm gonna record those on Friday evening. Um, I'm going to edit those on this guy, upload them, and then I'm just going to pass out and probably sleep until Sunday until the show's over. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, for that purpose, it's it's the right machine. And the the old um, Huawei that you had was a already MacBook. Four,
0: MacBook four, four years. Five? Four, four, four years, yeah. It's a 2018 right. model. Um, yeah. And it didn't have a... It had an MX150 GPU. So, like yeah, it could render videos, but slowly yeah and well since since you're
1: doing 4k and usually even 60 frames per second you need a bit of we well, you need you need kind of a beefy machine to do that well like, when the, you're on
0: the road the Huawei kind of was able to edit videos yeah. but then then exporting was just a pain yeah. i am going to step down gear for earth though um so typically i was traveling with like the full big camera multiple lenses. I'm just gonna bring the small Sony ZV1 that he's seeing me on right now, mm. and that is that is fine. That is yeah. totally adequate um, yeah. for the show, and it makes like you you need a camera that's two hundred grams instead of a body, a lens, a bigger tripod, uh, a bigger laptop, more storage. Like it, it adds so much overhead if you're traveling. Um, yeah. I'm just gonna put this thing in my pocket and be like, yeah, here, yeah. yeah. and good image stabilization. So, yeah. I shall travel light. Two weeks ago,
1: I was in in Switzerland in Winterthur, taking a look at the four-axis Prusa printer that does conical slicing and printing. Ah, right, the converted one. Yeah, the converted one. And fortunately, s- since I lacked one at at Murph, I bought myself one of these small video lights, and this was the best. Sorry,
0: you didn't have one of those before. I those didn't have a video so light before. useful.
1: And so, this thing was worth every penny. The shots that I made using this light in really bad lighting situations were great. And my shots from the Midwest Rap Rap Festival this year, they were so horrible because lighting was awful. It so this
0: is. It shows. Yeah. Uh, if you
1: bring bring also one of these along, I, I think it's yeah. gonna be a totally sufficient setup.
0: Yeah, I, I keep I keep so I have two. I have um the Falcon Eyes F7. That is like giving me a bit of a boost, bit of a front light here. Mm. Um, just bouncing that against the wall. That's a bigger one, but I keep like one of those fifty euro smaller ones um, permanently mounted to my to my full frame camera. I okay. just leave it on there. I can flick the switch on and just get a bit of fill light. Mm. Uh, this kind of, I I can't believe you didn't have one of those before. No i and uh,
1: in the past i always bought not the most expensive ones of course this one was also now only i think 90 bucks or something like that but especially with a there's a uh, a silicone diffuser on the front it gives such good
0: nice lighting all right should we move on to to some actual 3d printing topics since we are well (laughs) here's the thing what what is this podcast even what 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 are we are we a, a, a rambling, chatty, behind-the-scenes podcast, or are we like a on-topic 3D printing podcast? I, I keep asking this question every time, but I'm so Well, I,
1: sure. I guess a bit of both. Of course, we could be a 3D printing news uh, uh, podcast, but I don't know. I have the feeling that to have a unique selling point, because that's, that's easy for anyone to do uh we we talk a bit about the behind the scenes of yeah. being a youtube star <laughs> yeah, sure.
0: yeah some sometimes sometimes we 're just people you know sometimes yeah sometimes people are just people man yeah um yeah uh did we did we already talk about your cock
1: <laughs> we 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 didn't talk about my cock yet um okay so so my cock is that. my rooster, and uh my rooster uh is the only one surviving um, an event that that unfortunately happened tonight where um, our chicken coop was braided I'm, by I'm, I'm a martin. I'm
0: sorry not to laugh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh,
1: go ahead. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it was... So, I, I'm still a bit sleepy because, well, I woke up around 1 o'clock tonight and we heard weird noises outside. And once we got outside, um, the rooster was was still running around and and totally fine but but our the two chickens that we had they were unfortunately already dead, and yeah somehow a fox or a marten got into our chicken coop and um yeah unfortunately killed our two beloved chickens, so yeah it's kind of a sad story um I had to bury bury them this morning
0: in pouring down that's, rain that's the roughest part
1: um yeah it was especially since like three three weeks four weeks ago we already buried our seven year old really big rabbit um and also for our daughter it's it's kind of hard and uh she yeah she basically well she kind of understands it not totally understands it but I wanted her to be th- also at like the grave this morning and just i don't know k- kind of see that that chicken that that she knows what happened to them that they're now getting buried and it's a it's the circle of life basically it was a bit earlier than usually but yeah. um if that she kind of understands what what happened to yeah. the chicks yeah so, you,
0: you, i mean you, you were keeping them as pets for the most we, part right That they, they, yeah. they were part of the family they weren't just animals out in the out of the coop that you would use for eggs Especially nope. for for chickens um, <laughs> too. they they were yeah, like I said, part of the family. They were pets for the most yep. part, so
1: kind but, of unfortunate.
0: But yeah, sorry yeah. for you, man. Especially Thanks. two two in a row. First the uh, uh, the rabbit or <laughs> the bunny, and then the, yeah, and uh, chickens. So you, well, they you basically they were
1: already three years old, but I don't still. know. if
0: it's all for chickens. It
1: depends. So so normal chicken that lay egg. And that they're, uh, and they uh, which are bred to lay eggs, uh, they don't really get that old because they just burn out themselves. Um, but also, like the ones that we had, three, four, five years is usually their their usual okay. lifespan.
0: They had a good life, I'm sure. <sighs>
1: I hope they had. <laughs> so yeah,
0: with you, there is the music from the next topic, 3D printing a robot. No, we, we already talked about that.
1: 3D printed robot, yeah, may, maybe, Let, let's get back to um, th- 3D printing stuff or let's start with 3D printing stuff. Maybe just on a mark on uh, robot arms and DIY robots, um, a, a video, I think that was also released yesterday, uh, got flooded int- into my timeline or in my YouTube start page. Uh, by 3d printed live 3d printing a robot to hold my camera uh, mm-hmm. so this guy built a fi- i think a five axis robot um yeah with five, five
0: axis is more than enough for a camera
1: yeah with the goal of of putting a camera um at well at the effector um it wasn't able to hold the full one kilograms of load so in the end he just put a um a smartphone in the front uh really nice channel would really highly recommend to check the video out and the, and the channel itself. He did a lot of, uh, work on harmonic drives for that, uh, for that robot arm. Um, and we put a link, um, to, to his channel down in the description.
0: Yeah, So fully, fully DIY project kind of was what I was trying to do or eventually trying to do, um, with mine, but he got there first. so next one that's an involved project
1: (laughs) it is it is and he he even um built his own control board he said that it would have been it was totally unnecessary but it
0: was just here's the thing these robot control boards if you if you buy them they're like a grand essentially for nothing i mean they're not not too complex
1: but the thing is and we talked about that already um if you just want to control a couple of stepper motors, you can use any th- three-printer board that has enough stepper drivers. Hey, do um, it. Do it. No you supports. talk to the Do It guys. So, so the so the um, the thing that you need to figure out is the reverse kinematics, and th- I I think Marlin doesn't
0: have an implementation no. for robots. Well, for for deltas, yeah, but not for robot geometries.
1: Yeah. So I can't remember exactly. Uh, does do it or is there an implementation and do it already or is this something they might be looking into it's
0: it's in beta so it is getting implemented okay. currently um I, well last time i checked it was in beta i it, it's coming for sure okay um i think you, you can you can definitely flash the uh, beta firmware currently right now and use it mm-hmm. but it might be unstable as with yeah. any beta Uh, tools but yeah that's in inverse kinematics for for those of you who don't know is basically if you have a a, a robot arm um what the motors at each or what each joint wants to know is which rotational position do i have to move to but that is not what your g-code or your input looks like you don't want to have to control every joint individually you want to tell the effector hey go to this position with these rotational angles and then have the robot figure out how to get there and how it needs to position its joints um to to do that and that is one of the you don't necessarily need it you can you can control a robot arm by controlling the joints directly but it's not very smooth to do it that way
1: yeah Yeah. so let's continue
0: (laughs) exactly okay fusion 360 had a uh, tweet that we're referencing here um which is a a new feature they have latticing um that he can now do in your CAD program. So, latticing, saying essentially it's infill. <laughs> it is an infill pattern that he can generate directly in CAD and it is probably not a feature that is going to that is going to be included with the free versions, um but if you have the the bigger versions of Fusion, mm-hmm. um just something to look into. Um yeah. Yes,
1: many many of the beta features are often still available in free versions, just to have more beta testers. Yeah, and it's, until it's working, and then it's getting into the paid subscription. Exactly. I unf- unfortunately uh, have a, a paid subscription or a, an Autodesk influencer, I don't know, subscription type thing, so I can tell if it's the free version. But we link the tweet down below. Um, yeah. Creating this lattices in Infusion. I, I think it's not really that important for FDM additive manufacturing, but if you're doing SLS 3D printing, if you're doing SLA mask SLA 3D printing, where you usually don't use infill patterns, this can be an option to add to hollow out your part, but still have internal structure that adds additional rigidity.
0: Well, MSLA parts do have, um, or MSLA slicers do have an infill option right now, but it's not very, It's it, you don't get the con- level of control over infill as you do in an, mm. uh, in an FDM slicer. Um, what is cool, though, in the having infill or the uh, lattice structure in your CAD is you can also chuck that into uh, a simulation tools, yep. right, in Fusion, I, w- I would assume. Because it's just it's it's actual geometry that you're getting, so you can run your simulations, So that they are going to be pretty expensive because you have tons of detail. Expensive as in computationally expensive. Yeah. Um, you can run those now on actual real geometry. So that, and do you I, want to say something about that? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, please continue. Okay. Uh, I'll add a comment in the end.
0: Yeah. And what they're also showing is um, you can add modifiers with um, the solidity um, to have a path and have basically a, well, solidity, how how thick the uh, lattice structure is versus how much air is being kept in there along a path. So you can have segments of your part that have a strong infill, the segments that have less infill. And it gradually transitions between those different densities. So mm. that's something that I don't think slices can do right now. We can do like the. Well, you have the lightning and fill, and but yeah, true. But you have no control over that, really. No,
1: not in um, in such a gradual amount. Um, and this can help with the the strength of the part, and also what especially if you have if you're having more solid parts. What's also very, very nice, if you're having the lattice in CAD directly, you can, for example, put lattices between like where the part starts and where the lattice ends, because usually you have really sharp corners there, uh, which might be a potential point of failure. And um, I just know that from like my professional experience. So it's, it's nice to have the possibility to smooth out the transitions between an infrastructure and the and solid part structure.
0: Yeah. Yeah so these these lattices are not optimized for FDM um yep. they're probably more suitable for SLS um or SLA yeah um but so yep. cool feature i, I just checked
1: too, it's personally. it's not included in yeah. the free subscription but if you're having a paid subscription it it could be available for you um just my my thoughts on that on and on lattices in general uh, they're overhyped in my opinion um <laughs> they look very nice on promotional pictures and if you want to sell something use lattices and say how how good your printer or your process or your part is because you're using lattices but there are not a ton of applications where lattices are really beneficial. This is maybe a a bit pessimistically said there are things like um, uh, structures under pressure or uh, heat exchanges and things like that, where you want to increase right. the surface area, wh- where lattices can help a ton. But if you're just having a structural part that you want to optimize, lattices are rarely giving you any benefit. So, I- y- if you're not using them for a support structure that remains on your part in the end,
0: right? Which but FDM
1: 3D printing does.
0: But he, so you're essentially saying, hey, uh, optimize your part geometry and and use. I don't know topology optimization or generative modeling or something like that instead of just using a lattice yeah
1: um there are even topology optimization solutions i think fusion even supports that now where um you don't have the transition between no material and full material but you can also tell it yeah in the regions where the topology optimizer would say have I don't know between 20 and 80 percent material you can use lattice structure uh, in this area in, in these regions which gives you a part okay. that where you have really solid sections but then also these gradient areas where where um where uh supports uh, sorry lattice structure is used um and okay. as i said it looks nice um and topology is also a really nice program to do um lattice optimization but all from all my experience there are little use cases where where right. it's right. it's really worth using but it looks nice it looks really nice well,
0: yeah, i mean that that can that can be its own feature you know something that looks nice
1: definitely you you right. want to sell your parts you want to sell your software if you want to sell your printer i don't know uh, it can help and there are the applications those unicorn applications
0: but sure yeah so cool <laughs> then next up, we have the open source high temp printer, uh, the Project Valky- Valkyrie? Valkyrie, Valkyrie, yeah. Um, which you seem to be skeptical skeptical about. Well, not really skeptical about um, whether it's practical and needed. Not about um, whether the design works.
1: Um. Also not this. I, I'm quite sure that the design works. Yeah, that's um, what I'm saying. But the question is, who needs a high-temperature FDM 3D printer? So um, with nozzle temperatures up to 450 degrees Celsius and, and things like that. So there are rarely any materials that you print above... 300 degrees Celsius, I, I don't know. I have some, some faders, high temp nylon right here that I think betwi- prints between 320 to 340 degrees Celsius, which I currently can't print on, on my machines. There you go. Um, they are the, the PEIs, the peaks, the packs, but these are on the one hand expensive materials. So for a kilo of peak, you're paying 500 or thousand bucks. Um, yeah. And those materials are also really hard to print. Of course, the heated chambers, um, they help a ton. But for example, for printing peak material, um, even an 80 degrees heated chamber won't help you a ton. You need to get above 100 degrees Celsius and, and, and things like that. So the question that I was asking myself, who has the application for a high temp 3D printer, which can't be satisfied by current like enclosed 3d printers i don't know my the bamboo lab gets up to 50 60 degrees celsius also the voron with a big heated bed and and the chamber gets up to 50 60 degrees celsius um what are the real applications for for these machines and who would be using a diy high temp 3d printer instead of a commercial machine if you are already spending a ton of money on the material itself
0: um look i'm gonna argue against you a bit here um my my take is it's the same as when 3d printing originally came up um the the low cost rep rep movement like you know people are asking like what are you actually going to do with those like Low temperature plastic parts that melt when you look at them—they're like it's plastic. What, what, what's what's the use case for those? Yeah. Um, and people still bring that up. Of course, it's just plastic. Like I, I want parts out of metal. Like I can't do that. Um, and this is this is this kind of feels like the same situation where it's a tech that is there, but it's still looking for an application. It is still mm. looking for this this one area that. You know, either not a lot of people are into, or not a lot of people mm-hmm. are using, because there's no, there's no way to get into it. Um, mm-hmm. It's just not practical to, I don't know, three D print plastic parts that. Well, combustion engines are on their way out too. So, huh. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure there are applications that this is great for. If you go for like the the the, the super high end plastics, the peaks, yeah. the packs, the, whatever's. Um, what I think this is really great at, um, with 80 degrees heated chamber is printing ABS and polycarbonate, uh, yep. polycarbonate is such a great material that almost nobody can print. Um, you can get the PC blend from Prusa and that's like mm-hmm. bearable. You, you can kind of make that work, but it's never great. Um, but like, yeah, polycarbonates is, is such, is a materials group that is, I think severely underused, um because there's so many applications where that it that would be absolutely fantastic for just for for temperature stability in the end temperature um,
1: stability and i printed a bit um with i think hobby kings premium polycarbonate um it's not the easiest to use but the part strength and also the layer adhesion was better than almost anything i i I found with other materials so it's kind of unfortunate that there aren't that many machines and applic or that there aren't that many machines that can use just plain old simple polycarbonate yeah
0: so and the the um, the cool thing about polycarbonate is once you get it tuned in it actually prints great it's uh, a it it, the print results are fantastic yeah
1: so i'm i'm not saying that i don't like the project i i find it really nice and i i i Always appreciate if if people are using their time and and uh, dedicate their their talent into creating something new because they could have I don't know made the ten thousands uh, ender three mod but they tried to engineer this machine to be used for these materials and also they integrated um, um, a filament dry box in there as well which is basically essential if you're working with these materials because they're usually so hygroscopic or you need to print them that dry to, to get it even working so it, it looks like a real nice machine um, but um, yeah, I, I just wanted to discuss who, who has applications for that and um, if, if you are, I don't know, into space applications or microsatellites where peak PAX PI might be interesting as well for these the question is do I want to work with a DIY machine or do I buy an off-the-shelf machine that is maybe already tuned for these
0: materials? Yeah, same, same thing again. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's not... It's, sure, you would consider this a, a professional application because... Oh, my bread's ready. Um, you would consider that a professional application because it's just not been accessible yeah. at the DIY level so yeah. far. Okay. I got to check, check on your my bread. bread. So this is the uh, walnut buttermilk bread based on Gino Heska's recipe. And next up is the plain buttermilk bread that goes into the oven. Be right back. Heck. Do you link uh, the the recipe below? Yeah, you can uh foodsel.net. Baked with 100% renewable energy. Actually, solar power from the roof. Still surprisingly sunny these days.
1: Yeah, it, it has been really horrible this morning, but now yeah, the sun is also back out again and I'm sitting here in the office uh <laughs> with my with my shades closed. Um I didn't find the recipe. Fu-
0: foodcell.net You had the, the wrong foodcell.net. So it's not on, on Gina's normal blog? Uh it might be linked somewhere. Or food.foodcell.net food cell
1: ah there we go yeah you, you should write f- food cell with a
0: D and not a T yeah it's about eating not about feet <laughs> 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 yeah it's a buttermilk bread I've been making that thing for a year now and it's okay. just, uh, so simple you just chuck everything together uh, wait for a day and then chuck it in the oven and it comes out mm, so good put some put some hazelnut spread on there and uh, you you're gonna should- have a really good time I should try that out.
1: Perfect. Um, talking about f- food and three D printing and stuff like that. That's a perfect. That's a perfect segue to. Well, Yeah, it's oh, yeah. it's a perfect segue yeah, to the next okay, topic. Okay. Um, pathogens on three D prints, um, which is a bit the question: Should you use or can you use three D printed parts for? I don't know masks respirators but also for food related stuff yeah. um
0: so it's so 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 to give background that's that's always been a contentious topic um yep. where there were concerns about the materials that are in your plastic be it additives or even like lead contamination from the brass and the nozzles which i think we we talked about in the podcast at some point yeah and we, we we got to the conclusion that like yeah the lid from the nozzle is like pfft, completely irrelevant because you're not like abrading uh the nozzle. um but mostly about the pores on your 3d prints because of an fdm 3d printer and an sls one as well uh, sla well sls even worse an sla one is worth as as well has not really pores but just ridges and and stuff where stuff can stick to and get stuck to um, so we linked
1: a Hackaday article down in the show notes, which links itself to a, I think that's, that's from a personal blog, a blog post about a guy who, um, did a bit of analysis. Um, he seems to be into, um, 3D printing like respirators and masks and, and asked himself, are those are you able to des- disinfect and, and just clean those parts after you've been using them? So y- they're not just like one use items and there are some really nice, um, some pictures in there and also some pictures, um, where he basically put like just swabs of his mask or, or just samples that he did on, um, a growth media and, try to find out how many bacteria and things like that are, are growing in those, uh, those petri dishes. And in the end, he basically showed that at least the parts that he, he tested, um, he was able to get them really clean with just uh, washing them in, in dish soap uh, or with dish soap. And then, how, how did he actually formulate that? Um, basically just dumping them in um, diluted bleach for a couple of minutes in the end. And that seemed to work for him
0: yeah, um so the ninety percent of pathogens is that just the soap, or is that soap plus bleach i would I would expect the you know chucking them in in bleachy water um that it would you know eliminate more than ninety percent because ninety percent isn't particularly good i mean that that's probably dirtier than your your toilet seat after you've cleaned it. I mean, those cleaners always say like ninety nine point nine nine percent, right? That's so,
1: and yep. um, I guess toilet
0: seats in general aren't that disgusting. Like phones are more disgusting and keyboards than that. Than that. So, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just a quick note on that. It still feels
1: so wrong for me. Uh, and well, since since most of the phones are now waterproof, to just take them. And put them under the sink and wash them also with, with dish soap. But that's oh yeah, I do that all the time. What I'm regularly doing, but it still feels so wrong. Um, anyways, I, I guess you need the combination of like washing it with uh, soapy water and then the additional um, dumping into bleach to, um, for once, I guess, remove bigger chunks of material. Um, and maybe also to, uh, that the 10 sides are helping that maybe the bleach later can get into all of these ridges and, and cracks and things yeah. like that.
0: So one of, one of the key things that he's saying here is you shouldn't worry about the ridges, um, because wherever, you know, pathogens could get in the, in, in the ridges, in the layer lines, um, your soap's going to go as well. So. Yeah if you have a soap that can take care of whatever you're worried about, then it should be able to get to it. Yeah. Um,
1: of course, the parts the parts that he has been using, they are very simple. They just look like like simple walls where he did the test. I know that there are other papers on that remark. Um, and I think at the end, you you. S- still have to pay a bit of attention and he even mentions that down in his article. In the end if you want to be totally safe um, resin coat your parts after that to just decrease the surface area in general and also um, decrease like the, the the number of ridges and, and cracks yeah. that are on your part. That's in the end always
0: the safest option. Coating with a resin or epoxy is also something yeah. that he's suggesting but mostly for um, making it watertight. Yeah, that's also a good
1: point. Uh, the 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 thing I also want to mention. So I um, read all the article b- b- before we started, and I found that this guy has stolen a picture from me. <sighs> Bastard! Bastard! <laughs> without without any uh, quotation and things like that. Yeah. Are you so gonna take him to court? Definitely, will take him to okay. court.
0: Okay, justice will be served.
1: I don't know. The- I, I told you that before. The articles, the article looks really nice and well researched, and, and things like that. But I don't know when you're then using pictures from somebody else. Wh- why just put a footnote in there? Yeah, at, uh, at least give a credit. reference. Yeah, yeah, give credit. I, that would be totally fine for me. But
0: when whenever someone asks me, like, "Hey, can I use your uh, there's a screenshot or an yeah. excerpt of your videos um, in my paper?" Or yeah. in school or whatever, I'm, I'm usually like, "Hey, yeah, sure thing. Um, that's not a problem at all." Uh, but like, maybe, maybe at least if you, if you don't ask, yeah, give give the credit to uh, where it's from. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm um, Last, re- maybe just just a a very short last remark. Uh, there are also materials that have. Silver ions in them that might also help to reduce the bacteria growth on on these materials. Do those That's-
0: actually work. In in I guess in if it's in in three D printed materials, maybe better chance. But where we usually see those is like in underwear or socks or shirts, <laughs> where it's like, hey, yeah, it's gonna reduce odors and stuff. Um, and I don't quite remember, but there's some some foggy place in my mind has to that those actually don't work too well because after once or twice washing them it's basically useless. Uh,
1: As far as I I, I read there are commercial plastics and and additives um, available that, that do exactly that for also injection molded parts to just Reduce okay. the amount of bacteria bacteria growth on them, of course it will not be as effective as really like having strands of silver in your underwear or things like that. I don't know,
0: yeah, and so, I mean silver is expensive, so it, it makes sense that they would use as little as possible so i I'd, I'd, I'd assume yeah. it's it's gonna be the same thing where it's like yeah. encapsulated in some polymer yeah. somehow I don't know okay, next one uh <laughs> the yeah. Ultimaker and MakerBot. So you, you guys have placed your bets on what they are going to be called after the merger. Whether they are even going to, like... Uh, the, what's the word? Make their brands into one. Consolidate? Consolidate, yeah. Consolidate yeah. the brands into one. And, of course, the, the cool name would have been Maker Maker. I mean, <laughs> the maker from MakerBot and then the maker from Ultimaker. Make it Maker Maker um what, what was the other ones old ultibot. yeah the, the ultibot and the yeah, maker maker but unfortunately it's... they went for the absolutely lamest option possible they're just now called ultimaker and with a capital m in ultimaker yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> i miss the times when when companies still had humor but yeah, yeah. okay I mean... it's ultimaker
1: it's Ultimaker. Uh, I'm still not sure if like the maker bots will be called Ultimakers in the future and the Ultimakers will be called Ulti, capital M, Maker. Um, or, if there's, or if still the brands remain and just like the big parent company's Ultimaker that handles all the yep. collaboration work.
0: And we have speculated about how they would fit in and how they would segment the markets mm. between each other, because it's the last thing you want basically is well, you might want to to compete with yourself in the same market. That's that's what a lot of brands are, are doing. Is just you know you have one parent company that has five brands that are all in the same market segment that push out everyone else. Because if you go on whatever comparison platforms, it's going to be five of you. Yeah. And then five of the others that gives you 50% visibility <laughs> share. Um that 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 could happen, but I mean my speculation was that Ultimaker is going to be the high-end brand and Makerbot's going to be the I don't know if they're going to be low-end but like education space products. Yeah. We should I'm see. just
1: I'm just excited to see what what and if there's going to be any changes
0: to thingiverse so i've seen someone from Ultimaker comment that um you imagine is actually going to be that they're going to start working on it again because okay. you imagine has also been neglected um at best uh. but the thing is thingiverse so
1: my, my my parents don't know a lot about 3d printing um, but they know thingiverse or a place where you get STL files. Thingiverse has been becoming the name for a platform to download STLs, uh, just like Hoover or Tempo uh, for our paper tissues that we use here in Germany. Um, So I guess the right move would be to try to revive Thingiverse and push that again because it has the biggest market share of any platform
0: yeah i've never used you Imagine. i don't know if i i tried using you Imagine, but it was not that popular and also not too well done in a couple spots um mm-hmm. and then when when prusa was like hey we're actually going to build the real deal i was like yes please uh, <laughs> so so yeah i, I was on, on on prusa printers and now printables um for the most part I, i'm you know, I'm, I'm always looking for like the alternatives um, to going with the the big name brand. That's why I've usually had AMD PCs uh, instead of Intel. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be interesting what they do with Thingiverse. You imagine whether they're going to consolidate those as well. I don't know. So the, what what I read, I think it was from from data or from from somebody else at, at, at Ultimaker, um, is that it sounded like you imagine is going to be is going to stick around okay i don't know if it's going to be different front end for thingiverse that would be stupid um or if it's going to be its own platform dedicated uh, or at a different audience i i don't know i don't know
1: we'll see cool. we'll see what time's uh time brings in in the moment it's it's just an opportunity for other platforms like Printables, uh like things like my mini factory and all of the other ones to to gain more and more market share yeah all right um i guess that was already the already after maybe an hour the news section let's get to also some some very interesting questions don't we
0: yes and the first one is from tom tom yokom um i'm not going to read out the, the whole thing but essentially he is asking us as 3d printing influences and reviewers about manufacturers cherry picking uh, the samples they sent to us. Um, So cherry
1: picking and even modifying those printers that they are performing better than the normal retail units. He, for example, said, um, adding a better LCD into a resin printer. So the reviewer does notice that's a better one and he's, that person might say it is performing way better okay. uh or it's performing very well but the retail units are shipped with with a different different model so
0: yeah so it w- w- with a filament printer you know better built hot and different extruder gears yeah. that sort of thing that is like very quick to switch out mm-hmm. but maybe isn't gonna get noticed as like hey you know i got a different one there Let me start with with two things here, maybe. Um, The first one is, the first aspect is, do they really ship you a cherry-picked machine or is it just that the machine you buy now isn't the same machine that you're going to be able to buy in Mm -hmm. two, three, four, six months Um, because they're going to run their cost down rounds and essentially replace parts with cheaper ones. And that is something that companies very definitely do. Uh, over the lifetime of a product, not just the, the Chinese ones, but also big European brands in or outside the 3D printing space. A very common thing to do, typically when a reputable company does it, um, they make they have to make sure that it still performs the same within the requirements, within the specs. So as long as you use the, the product within specs, you shouldn't notice a difference. With 3D printers, I mean... Yeah, sometimes stuff gets swapped out and it actually performs worse. Um, it limits what you can do. Sometimes it, it performs for the better. So um, one thing that comes to mind is uh, Creality and their boards um, in the past not having space for bootloaders or not coming with a bootloader now coming with one um, that makes it much easier to flash your firmware. So stuff gets swapped around all the time. And that's one of the things that makes reviewing a machine so difficult especially when it's uh i mean even prusa does it i was gonna say especially if it's a if it's a chinese one but no even prusa on on what used to be called the mark three under the same name they keep swapping out parts you know now you have the um the screwed down bearings you have a different manufacturer of who knows what they keep tweaking the machine here and there so that might be confused to a review getting a, an early cherry picked and special machine that is different from what you what you're going to get in retail. Mm. That was one from my experience too, but- Re- review
1: units that I have gotten in the past <laughs> often or regularly. I wouldn't say bro- uh, were broken, but I never had the impression that I got a cherry picked unit. But of course that can potentially happen um i would have never heard it happening within the like at least 3D printing space
0: well how can you tell that's the thing that's if, the if thing.
1: they're doing a good job don't know if
0: so the 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 tricky thing is when you get products reviewed directly from the manufacturer if you if they send it to you directly then of course there is a chance that they're i Look, I I wouldn't say that they're gonna swap up parts. I, I I don't think that any manufacturer is bold enough to do that. Mm-hmm. But what I can definitely imagine is that they give the machine just an, an extra thorough check. Just have someone look over it, make sure everything's working, and make sure you're not getting like a Montagsmorgens uh product. It's not a you yeah. know, not one that that's that's been made Monday morning with all the flaws in it. Yeah. Often though so um Tom mentions any cubic, especially. Um i've i've gotten review products from AnyCubic and it's been the what's their 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 big DLP, uh not the lcd printer i don't know um he's bringing up like hey if you if you get a, a different one and you say it's awesome you've made them quote 10 million dollars that is ten thousand units sold i get review units from their warehouses from amazon and at times um that is just you know they if if, you, if you're a manufacturer if you're a seller on amazon you can put in an order for yourself and basically have amazon ship out a machine out of their stock as is as everyone else would be getting it and those are 100 percent exactly the same thing that that everyone else gets mm. uh, there's just no way that they could you know did they, they send amazon their stock and you know, Amazon takes one from their stock and sends it to you. That is exactly the same machine everyone else gets. Yeah. So any cubic in particular, I would say, yeah, they they they're they're totally cool in that. Yeah. Uh, wh- why don't we buy
1: our review review units? Well, this, well, yeah. Why don't we buy our review units?
0: I don't wanna. It's expensive.
1: It's expensive, and you don't need your twenty fifth printer. Of yeah. course, you could sell it after that again, but it's so much hassle that it, it's not really worth it.
0: And oftentimes also the, the, the other thing is like, are you still relevant if you if you buy a machine when it comes out? Eligu has done this in, in particular where, yeah, the machine's out, but you can really only buy it, you know, there are only really 100 samples or something uh, or 100 machines in stock. And then when you can actually buy it, it nobody cares about it anymore <laughs> when you can buy it when it, when it gets shipped. Um, that is something that I have to point out Eligu for because they've they've definitely been guilty of that so yeah. a lot of times there's just no other way of reviewing machine a machine than to rely on the manufacturer to get it in time and ideally in time means you know a couple of weeks before it even gets announced mm-hmm. or released yeah yeah. Of course the question
1: is always if if that makes us biased and we've talked about that several times and I, i guess we try to make a good as a job as possible to not be biased by by getting that free product
0: i always tell the manufacturers hey i would rather have you guys take it back um because i then i don't need to do to deal with storage and with disposing of the machine i don't care about having another printer uh in my arsenal i i have i have all the printers i need i have all the printers i want i can do anything i want and if i if i need something else i'm gonna build one i'm not gonna pick one um that that's already out there and and pre-made yeah which brings us perfectly to next question from total noob about the rat rig v core um, basically, as a follow-up to the um, bamboo versus PushXL XL versus Voron, Voron discussion, yeah, yeah. So, what about that, Stefan? Why <laughs> why didn't we include that? What?
1: Because I see, and this is maybe a really bold generalization, but I see the V-core, uh, so the Redrig, and maybe also a Rail Core, and and other. More expensive, high-performance printer kids, I see Voron as a synonym, or I have seen a Voron as a synonym for them. Because I think a Red even if it's built differently, it can perform quite similarly to a Voron. And I think, and from all what I have read so far, uh, that of course they are different, but they are kind of on the same level. So this is for the reason I see them as a synonym, and that's the reason why I did not uh, name them last time. And this was also something I, I thought about when I did the the Waron the video last week. Um, should I name all of the alternatives to Waron? And I just said, okay, any DIY printer kit that is core XY and higher performance and has yeah. kind of a name and reputation.
0: Yeah, the the thing with DIY kits. Um Probably Voron less than than others, maybe, because Voron is very... There's there's a canon way to build one. Um, but Printer kits always depend on the builder and on the choices they make. Um, you no. always have choices which components you go with, be it end, controller board, um, drag chains, which belts you use. You, you always have those choices unless you buy a kit that includes the entire thing. But these are DIY machines at their heart and largely... How they're going to perform depends on you, the builder, and which choices you make and how you tune it, how you build it, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah, they are. I mean, I, I wouldn't say that they're interchangeable, but there are some differences, sure. Um, but they, they all fall into the same category. They all appeal to the same group, more or less. Please,
1: listeners, don't hate me for that. <laughs> <laughs> not all of the f- fanboys will be screaming at Aww. me it's
0: it's just to keep things simple okay <laughs> okay let's let's move on quickly uh, Kevin's asking Stefan mentions viscous losses about you know longer hot ends and uh, longer meltones. would a longer hot end create worse stringing from my experience Yes, if you you compare
1: also, well, the retraction settings that you need and also the performance and and quality of a Volcano hotend compared to a normal V6 hotend, um, the Volcano hotends usually need more retraction. And if that is due to the viscous losses of just the molten material in the nozzle or or something else, I'm not 100% sure. I would say, or my explanation for that so far was that you have more molten material in the nozzle that will expand if you leave it there for a bit, just because it gets even warmer, it might start uh, uh, bubbling up a little bit and that will create additional oozing and in the end also cause, um, cause stringing.
0: Yeah, agreed. <laughs> so, Essentially. yeah. Um, so, worse stringing is like, the, the, the question is like, is it, oozing as in you leave your hot end there and just filament loaded Mm -hmm. and you're not extruding anything and then it oozes out Mm -hmm. or is it stringing because you have elasticity essentially in the drive system so your extruder pushes and then with it not a delay but with like Mm -hmm. an an exponential function your 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 filament actually comes out the nozzle um and it's it's probably both of those um so stringing by itself probably is a very muddy uh definition of what's going on but yeah there are many many things at work though volcano i don't think is as bad as as people probably think volcano very much is a is a very usable No, oh, google i'm not talking to you volcano is a very usable melt zone length and we've both looked at uh, revo and Revo, lengthwise, is closer to Volcano than it is um, to V6. Yeah. And that thing doesn't string yeah. badly. I think one of the
1: reasons might also be that I do have the feeling that volcanoes usually string more, is that when you're using a Volcano, you're usually not using it with a 04 millimeter yeah. nozzle.
0: Yeah, Exactly. And that, of course, has less back pressure or less less restriction against all the molten stuff that might be bubbling, might be boiling, might be expanding up in the melt zone. Um, so, yeah. Larger nozzle does ooze more because there's just less resistance. Yeah. Alright. Um, Philip is just making a quick comment about the form FormBot kit um, for the warren that I used. Um, and I commented that it wasn't, like, the bestest of qualities. And he's like, yeah. Hey, it's it's gotten better now. Um, got it for nine ninety nine dollars. Arrived five days later and had a Dragon High Flow hot end. Um, yeah. So pl- li- like I like I said before, like companies keep changing the products they ship under the same name. Though this is the Voron f- two point four R two specifically. Um, yeah. Mine was a original two point four. Yeah. Um, companies keep changing what they sell in the same mm-hmm. name. Yeah. And I don't think it's different
1: here um mm. and uh, philip was also well
0: especially mentioning that
1: the ldo kit costs i think even 1500 if you buy it here in germany from a reseller uh, and he said that the uh the phonebot kit was almost similar of quality so so the 500 bucks saving is is worth it and um that could be totally true um my experience with the ldo and the foambot, phone my phonebot kit was like two years old now um it wasn't as nice as, as with the old ldo one so for the moment i would i would prefer that but um as you just said things are changing and and if you're thinking about buying a a voron kit just join the voron discord uh there are resellers doing support for there. Um, for their kids, for example but I think I haven't seen FormBot in there uh, but people will also share their experience with uh, different kids, so you can find out if y- you should buy um, a, FormBot, um, a FormBot one an LDO one, a Phystech or I don't know, there are a ton Physi- of Phystech
0: yeah. uh, I, I, I probably pronounce it differently but yeah, yeah. Um, it's almost like somebody should get both and compare and build, build both and compare how they stack up um yeah, Nathan, if if, you, if if you are bored, I think it took me uh almost 2 months to build my to build my uh Voron kit. Well, I mean I mean I did the 2.4 in live stream and it was oh, just, it f- was a good bit over 30 hours. Um yeah. of course then live stream stuff distracts you okay. but and I did some stuff off camera, but yeah, 30 hours is probably doable, so mm-hmm. 2 weeks worth, uh, yeah. 2 weeks worth of work roughly uh, to build both yeah. and then to make content on it uh, we'll, we'll see that that's something that that nero would do
1: yeah um, <laughs> last yeah. one How can not gonna yeah. read it uh so yeah <laughs> D- D- david david <laughs> barrisford is asking a question for the next part have you ever experimented with alternative to hot Alternatives to hot and mounted blower fans, like the uh, bird air pumps, CP, uh, CPAPs, 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 uh, and bad cooling fans. And when do you think cooling in- innovations will reach mainstream printers? These kind of coolings are common on speedy benching machines, but aren't seen on mainstream ones, other than the X one, which I believe has bad cooling. So bad cooling is so what the X one uses. It has a very big fan on the side of the printer a radial fan that pushes air upwards and to a duct which comes out exactly at the height of the hot end so basically okay. cools the,
0: the entire layer that you've just the entire at the layer same time, yeah whereas your part cooling fan typically only cools the area around the hot end yeah. that is being printed right now and it's 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 two different interesting approaches because the bird air pumps um and I've i first seen that one on Mitch's, yeah, I almost, almost forgot his name, um, on Mitch's uh, backpack printer at yep. Murph, I think it was three years ago, um, yep. where he used one of those little bird air pumps and just a tiny, tiny air nozzle right mm. at, the, at the 3D, at the pot end yep. nozzle. Um, and apparently that seemed to work pretty well. And it's a much more concentrated stream of air that provides more cooling, but in a mm. smaller spot. Um, whereas the bed cooling solutions are a wider stream of air, um, but that has less force, but cools a, a wider area. And I think both are valid solutions. Um, if you go into- valid solutions to 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 a problem,
1: the the bird air system has the advantage that you don't have to carry around a fan, and with the bed air cooling you have the advantage that you can just mount a very beefy printer a uh, very beefy fan to the side of the machine which doesn't affect um the weight of of the hot end for example so um doesn't matter if it's an 8 watt fan or a 200 watt fan
0: yeah and of course what one of the drawbacks of having the fan on the on the hot end and having the cooling on the hot end is that it really just cools that small section and i've seen that before mm-hmm. if you have a larger print Um, vases, for example. Well, vases have very thin walls Mm. that cool very quickly, but say you have... Yeah, something that has two columns that is printed in in two different spots. It prints one spot, and it cools there and then moves over to the other Mm. spot. But this first one hasn't been cooled sufficiently. And then the second one... So, yeah, you you don't get enough cooling time on your... your, Yeah, on, on, on some compressed parts where you're laying down a lot of materials. So... Um, that is something that, that bed fans could could help with or of course the, the concentrated bird airs that mm. just cool it before um, before it moves away from that spot yeah. and uh, the question
1: when we're going to see that I, I think only when there's the necessity the necessity or it's cheaper in the end but um, a cheap radial fan is cheap yeah. and it doesn't weigh too much so for most of the machines it's it's a very feasible solution if you need more cooling performance and don't have the pos- possibility to strap on bigger fans onto the hot end, bad cooling is an option. But also the the bird air system, where um, you only like run the the yeah. the pressurized air hose down to the nozzle.
0: But uh, it's a more complex system, and in the end, it's the question if it's not, if it's really necessary. Not not that much. Um, yeah, but the question whether it's necessary, I think that's going to come by itself once you have machines that print faster than your standard Ender 3. Um, if you're going at 40 millimeters a second, cooling is not that much of an issue. If you're going at 200 millimeters a second, yeah, you're going to run into some really hard roadblocks there. And it's actually my my experiments just on a stock Prusa. How fast can you print? How fast can you print a Benchy? We're limited by how much cooling that machine provided. Yeah. So even, even on those machines that are semi-well built, I think it's... We are scratching that uh, that area that territory where it does make sense to look into different uh, cooling solutions and with the yeah. x1 making faster printing mainstream more or less we're making it at least like visible to people where it's like hey mm-hmm. that is also an option now i think there are going to be machines that copy some of the design cues from from the mm-hmm. x1
1: and they kind of had the necessity because they have the enclosed build chamber uh, so the general temperature in the chamber is higher so uh you, you they can. they had to increase cooling yeah. for the High, same cooling performance
0: exactly higher higher ambient temperature means the same amount of airflow is going to carry less yeah. heat away from your part yeah yeah so, yeah it's, we'll see it's going to be interesting times hopefully um, Labs I'm I'm s- I'm, s- I'm still up.
1: waiting for you getting uh, a Bambu Lab X1 I would really like to know what what your
0: yeah, just general to, impression of the machine is I, I need to to respond to the emails <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've, I've not I've not responded to to sing Lima I think in the last six months uh there's too much going on and then when, when you don't know like what's if you're gonna have the capacity to even deal with it then, like you don't want to make any any promises so yeah and since it's it's still
1: only available for pre-order and i think they're shipping the next units in october or something like that um doesn't really make sense to review it at the moment to be honest
0: okay yeah well 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 and that is gonna be it for today. My next love for bread is coming out in eight minutes. So we better wrap this one up. Uh, yeah. thank you, Stefan excuse me. Thank you, Stefan, for your time. Thank you everyone for watching, listening. Wherever you listen, get subscribed on YouTube, get subscribed on your favorite podcasting catcher. If you want to support us, all the links are below to Stefan's and my patron. Super thanks are available now on that video. On the video on YouTube.
1: Yeah, on the video on YouTube. So that's also a way how you can support us. But yeah, thanks for your time, Tom. And thanks to uh, the time of you listeners. Um, And we're going to see you in the next one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.